0: Now as I've said we're delighted to have uh, Naomi with us and we want to thank you for coming to hear what she has to say and we're just going to ask her now to come and speak. Thank you.
1: Well it's really nice to be here uh, tonight and want to thank uh, your pastor for uh, the kind invitation to come and share with you about how God has uh, worked in my life, uh, how he first met me and how he changed my life um, I don't know whether you've ever been in an airport. Uh, I was in an airport not that terribly long ago. And I was standing in the queue. And as I was standing in the queue, I was sort of uh, looking at my case and sort of lifting it up and thinking it was a wee bit heavy. So I started to take stuff out of the case and put it into my pockets and put on a jumper and pull a bag over me. And I lifted it again. I thought, well, I think that'll pass okay. You know how it is. And you're always afraid of being overweight. I remember sitting down and I was looking around. I was still put, fretting and putting things in my pockets. My pockets were bulging. And I just felt such a burden. And I looked around and there were some people walking around. And they had only one bag. I think I had a case. and a handbag and another bag. And I thought, what on earth am I doing carrying all this stuff around with me? And you know, I just, it just brought me back to the time uh, when I was brought up in a Christian home. Uh, That was exactly how I felt. Uh, I was carrying too heavy a burden in my life. Uh, We were brought up in a Christian home about probably 75 miles from here, in a place called Monaghan. Uh, There were six of us uh, children, three boys and three girls. Uh, So my mother and father probably had plenty of headaches. Uh, There was plenty of fights, possibly. Uh, But, you know, God uh, had... We had the really unspeakable privilege of being brought up uh, under the gospel. Every single mission uh, was that was in our area. Didn't matter what the name of it was, we always went along, and they loved to see us coming because it was six of us, uh, so it filled a full uh, row in the mission or the meetings, and uh, we heard, we heard the gospel uh, from a very early age. You can say uh, with the Bible that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. You know, it was such a privilege. At that stage, I probably didn't realize it was such a privilege uh, to be brought along and to be taught from God's word uh, the, the need in our lives and how we needed a saviour. I can remember uh, when we were children, uh, we grew up on a farm, well, a mushroom farm. Uh, we used to have mushroom fights, Uh, As kids, we used to, they used to be in the big boxes then, and we used to sort of uh, climb up the boxes and try and uh, pelt one another uh, with the mushrooms. I'm sure my father and mother wouldn't have been too pleased about that. But you know, uh, we were growing up just like uh, everybody else. There were plenty of fights, there was plenty of things that were going on in our lives uh, because of sin. Uh, The Bible tells us that we're born in sin and shaping in iniquity. My very thoughts were shaping. iniquity. My life uh, was the shape of iniquity. Every thought, um, all my actions uh, were sinful because I was born in sin. But you know, I uh, attended a mission uh, not far from our home, uh, a wee portable hall behind the hedge. And there uh, God really convicted me about my need of the Saviour. And you know, that night I realised that I needed to put my trust in the Saviour. I realized that Jesus had died on the cross. And he had allowed uh, cruel men to put nails into his hands and into his feet. And he did it because he loved me. And that night I just simply asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come in uh, into my life. And you know, he changed my life completely. Uh, I remember going back home. And it just seemed the next day that the, the blue sky was so blue. It was just everything seemed... Uh, so new and I had absolutely no doubt that uh, Jesus Christ had come into my life and he had changed me uh, completely. We sometimes sing that hymn what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came in to my heart and that was a big change in my life Uh, although I had not been involved in outward sins and although I had not been involved very worldly things uh, by what we would think as Christians. Um, Yet there was such a change. Uh, The peace of God uh, came into my heart and flooded my soul. And now I was a child of God. You know, God preserved my life through many difficult times. We lived on the border, probably about 10 miles from the Armagh border and about seven from the Fermanagh border. And many times we were caught Uh, in difficult circumstances. I can remember uh, one night getting caught in a crossfire between the army and the IRA and just lying down in the bottom of the car uh, till that fighting had finished. And God preserved uh, my life. When I was a child, very small, uh, I was involved in a fire accident and uh, over in Sakurai Raid is not this uh, a brand plucked from the burning? And today I bear in my body, the marks of that fire. Again, my life uh, was preserved. And I believe God uh, preserved my life because he had a purpose for my life. And you know, the good thing is that God has a purpose uh, for each one of us here uh, uh, tonight. And that's amazing that God has a very special plan for our lives, uh, each one of us individually. I went on uh, to read God's word and You know, one of the most precious things for me as a Christian is to read the word of God and to hear God speaking to me. That just that just excited me that God, the God in heaven, uh, wanted to communicate to me through his word. And, you know, as I read and went to prayer meetings and started to grow spiritually. And, you know, um, the more I get to know him, so the more I find him true and the more I long that others should be led who know him too and you know that there have been many ups and downs uh, in the journey of my life uh, from my started being a Christian uh, there's been many times that we have been on the hill, hilltop but we've been down through the valleys uh, there was six of us I said and I was right in the very middle now you probably wonder how can I be in the middle of six it was because I was a twin uh, my twin brother was killed in a car accident uh, he went out and fell asleep at the wheel and hit uh, a bollard on the road on the way to Dublin and he um, survived 12 days but uh, God took him home and you know through all these difficult times I can tell you that God was so close to us and two years before that my oldest brother uh, he died with cancer and yet I I proved God so faithful uh, through uh, the difficult times and you know it's great to have a friend Uh, that sticks closer than any brother and that's certainly my testimony that God was uh, very close to us uh, through the times, uh, through the difficult times and you know there's no friend uh, like him there's no one else that can compare uh, to him recently I got a a DVD through my door and I'm not sure who put it through the door but I watched it and it was about uh, the sufferings of the Saviour it showed Um, The life of the Lord Jesus Christ and it started in Genesis and went right through uh, to the crucifixion and you know as I sat and watched that uh, DVD I was totally broken that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered so much for us and I just came, got down on my knees and said to the Lord I'm really sorry because I just feel I'm so light when I look at this video and see what you uh, suffered and what you went through because you loved me. And, you know, that night I got down on my knees and I prayed for hours for the people that I knew that weren't saved. People that were going to a lost eternity. Because it actually showed in that uh, DVD a picture of people being dropped over the edge of a preface, prefaces into a lot, burning fires. And, you know, it just ch- so challenged me that there are a multitude of people who are not ready. And if they don't trust in the Saviour, that's going to be uh, their end and you know if you get the opportunity to watch uh, a DVD or something like that while we read in the Bible and I've read often the stories of the Bible and I read many times especially coming up to Easter we read and focus on the crucifixion and all that happened to the Lord Jesus Christ but see when you actually look at it and you saw uh, them spitting upon them and slapping him, and when, this, when you saw those um, being whipped and his back was like a ploughed field. I don't know how anybody could ever watch that, and not be moved. And you know, um, we need to keep the cross before us and rec- remember uh, what Christ uh, suffered uh, for each one of a cro- on the cross. And you know, I can truly recommend to you tonight, Jesus Christ. And I trust tonight that if you uh, have never ever found. The Lord Jesus Christ is your saviour. That tonight you'll ask him uh, to come in uh, to your heart and into your life. You know, he's not going to give you anything that's not going to bring peace and joy. He's going to give you what truly satisfies. We often sing that hymn now, None But Christ Can Satisfy. None other name for me, there's love and life and lasting joy, Lord Jesus found Two years ago, I would presume it was about two years ago, uh, God started to uh, move me. I was a mortgage advisor and I went to Banker Convention um, and God started to challenge me. uh, Initially through the story of Jonah, Uh, the man was speaking about Jonah sleeping in the bottom of the boat and the word that he said was, Arise, why sleepest thou? And you know that was me, I was very challenged that uh, Tuesday afternoon at Bangor Convention because I felt I was sleeping while loads of people around me were going to a lost eternity. And God, from that time God has been uh, stirring my heart and prompting me to get up and move and to go and do his work. Now at the stage that um, I felt those promptings I had absolutely no idea where God was going to ask me to go or where he wanted, I was willing to go. I just said, Lord, wherever you want me to go. And sometimes that's a bit of a dangerous thing to say. Uh, Lord, I'm here. What do you want me to do? Uh, But through process, different process uh, over those last two years, God very clearly uh, showed me that he wanted me to give up my job. And I suppose I did a bit of a bargaining with uh, the Lord at that stage. He said, Lord, if you tell me where you want me to go, I'll go I'll, I'll, I'll go I'll, I'll finish my work but God doesn't always work to our way and he uh, moved me out of my job and I hadn't a clue where I was going I didn't really tell too many people because I didn't really want any outside influence I just wanted it to be f- completely from God so I didn't really say to too many people but I moved out of my uh, business and didn't really know where I was going uh, but God came again and spoke to me through that verse in Acts chapter 9 verse 6. Arise and go into the city and it shall be told you what you must do. Now the first time I heard that verse I was happy enough with the words arise and go. But the word city didn't really sit very comfortably with me because I'm from the country. And um, I thought, I just put it to the back of my mind, not really giving it very much thought. And then in the process, I applied back to the mission uh, because I felt that God was definitely uh, leading me uh, through back into the work of the faith mission. I've just got a few green cards here because I'm pretty good at talking. And if I didn't keep to these, maybe you'd have me here all night. So why why (coughs) has God called me into mission? I believe uh, mission is if you take the O out of the word mission you'll get this modern way for spelling missing and basically I believe that mission is finding people who are missing the peace of God in their lives that O actually represents a vacuum in people's lives and I am out searching for people who have that vacuum that emptiness who are missing uh, the peace of God uh, in their lives. Now why uh, me? Uh, I could look at plenty of other people and think well they're very much more talented than I am. But you know God has called me. Uh, I got that verse, I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit uh, should remain. God doesn't uh, call the equipped but he he equips the called. Now. God, it's not my talents, it's nothing to do with me, I'm just available, I have just given my life completely to God, I've taken my hands off it, Uh, that's quite hard to do, uh, because we all tend to think that we know better than God, but you know, I've just taken my hands off my life, and I've placed my life in God's hands, and God has been definitely leading and guiding me uh, over this past uh, few years. Why faith mission? Now, you may not know, but the faith mission is a rural mission. They would work in rural areas. Um, But I believe God very clearly uh, guided me to the faith mission. I uh, don't know whether you've ever heard of a book, um, Channel of Revival. It's about the um, revival, uh, Duncan Campbell revival. And I remember reading that away back years ago and knew I had the book. And it was in my head to read this book, so I started to search in my organized house for this <coughs> book, but couldn't find the book anywhere. And then I came across this book, it was called Spirit of Faith, and it was an old battered book, and I thought, that's probably the book. So I started to read that book, and I got to the third chapter, and it was talking about this, these three sisters who had been out in mission work, and how uh, one of them had left and gone into her own business, and then God called her back, and that's exactly how it was for me. Uh, I had been in the mission way back years ago. I'd worked in Donegal, and these three sisters were actually working in Donegal. Left the mission, and eight years later, uh, God called them, one of them back. And, you know, as I was reading that, I thought, I just can't believe I'm actually reading. Exact life situation to me. And the girls were about the same age as me. So that was okay. I finished the book. And then I found the book, Channel of Revival. If ever you want to be challenged uh, to pray for revival, that's a great book to read, Channel of Revival. And I read that book, and I came to, I think it was page 90, and here it was about Duncan Campbell, who had been in the faith mission. He had left the mission, and now he had come back to it. Uh, And again, he was about the same age as me. So I applied back to the mission, and I was interviewed. There was three men came and interviewed me, and I just knew this is where God wants me and it's such a special uh, thing you know to know that that that's exa- uh, you're in the centre of God's will and I remember after they had left uh, I was reading in Acts again and it was Acts chapter 10 and I, I read these words um, <coughs> three, three men come seeking you go with them nothing doubting for I have sent them and I thought Lord There's absolutely no doubt here. Such clear, clear uh, guidance. And then, um, well, at that stage, I still didn't know where God was wanting me to go. But that brings me to West Belfast. Um, Again, I was in a meeting and that verse was uh, quoted, Arise and go into the city. Now, the word city this time was just right in front of my very eyes. Arise and go into the city and it shall be told you what you must do and I thought right what city I haven't a clue what city this is so I drove into Belfast on the, on the Black Mountain uh, I'm sure you'll see the messages on the Black Mountain from time to time and the message that morning was time for truth and God riveted that to my heart that day uh, it's time for truth in West Belfast and at that stage a thought came into my head about doing a wee tract. Um, so I sent off uh, a few ideas to Dick Hill, um, and he has written the tract, and then I, I went about the job of trying to get permission to use uh, the picture, because the next day I went back to take a photograph of it, but it was gone. So I searched on the Internet and found the picture, but it was a copyright one, and tried for ages to try and get permission, but I couldn't get anybody, couldn't get anybody to speak to. So I went to the Sinn Féin office and I said to them Amen. that I was looking for permission uh, to use this uh, picture. And I told them that I was going to put Bible verses on it and that I was going to take it round uh, West Belfast. You're welcome. And I thought, okay, you mustn't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> so I started again. I said to him, it's actually verses from the Bible and I'm going to print them and I'm going to bring them around. He says, no, you're welcome. He says, we want the truth. We want the truth from the UDA. We want the truth from the UVF. We want the truth from the government. And I and then I think he did say Sinn Fein as well, although that was a Sinn Fein office, so I don't know. But anyway, he said we want the truth, even if it means people converting. And I couldn't believe that I was actually sitting on the Sinn Fein office in the Falls Road, and they were actually saying that to me. You know, God. Goes before many's a time when I had uh, thought about this verse arising, going to the city. I used to go into the city, and I used to say to the Lord, "Lord, you've given me a verse arising, going to the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. Do I'm here. What do you want me to do?" And I also started to try and make contacts and try and do a bit of investigation into what was really going on in West Belfast, and I went to see this. Um, the place, the field where they had this message. So I had to make an inquiry because I didn't know exactly where it was, an idea. And in the process, I met this man at the top of the mountain and I said to him, uh, Whereabouts do they put that message? He said it's in my field. Um, and just to give you a wee bit of a picture, um, at the side of his house there's a shrine. Uh, there's probably uh, the image of Peter Pio and uh, the Virgin Mary. And there's also two portable halls. And when you're in the faith mission, a portable hall is quite a common thing to have used in the past. So I was thinking, goodness knows, wonder could I use these halls? (laughs) But I went up, went away up the mountain. I used to go up the mountain, and you know, when I looked over the city, that verse in John, uh, chapter four, uh, where it says, "Say ye, say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, look, lift up your eyes." And look on the fields, uh, for they are white already to harvest. And I looked over the city that day. Many of the time I looked over the city and I said to the Lord, I don't know how with one person, I don't know how this is ever going to happen. But you've called me. And you know that verse, um, it's not by might nor, nor by, by power, power, but by my spirit saith the Lord. And you know, God was giving me Uh, Verses after verse after verse and confirmation after confirmation after confirmation and then one day this man he wanted to take me for a trip um, and I hadn't a clue where he was taking me. He was from Lisburn. I had no idea where he was taking me and he landed me onto the Springfield Road um, and he landed me to an industrial unit and right there in front of me was a sign light and life mission. And I said to him, what's that? And he said, I don't have a clue. So went the following week and it's a church to the traveling community. And we started uh, going in there for, uh, you know, just to meet with the people and just to mingle amongst the people to find out what's going on. And it's amazing what happens in that church. It's certainly not like a standard church. Uh, They don't have hymn books. A lot of them don't read and write. Uh, so they could be singing uh, halfway through a hymn and I'm thinking, what's this? I haven't a clue. But you know, one thing about that church is absolute honesty. I remember one Tuesday night I was there at a prayer meeting in it. And um, the man had got up and spoke. And he said afterwards, is there anybody here uh, who would like to become a Christian? And nobody responded. And he said, is there anybody here? who's back's in. And those two lovely young girls, I would say probably in their 20s, both put up their hand. <coughs> And said they wanted to, you know, they were backsliders. Um, that happens regularly in that church. They just are absolutely honest. I turned around after the service to, speak to her and she just said to me, I'm a backslider. And started to talk to me. I'd never met the girl before, didn't know, didn't know anything about her. But they're absolutely honest. Uh, and, you know, I think we in the, our churches uh, probably lack that type of honesty. They're just so honest and they won't have communion unless they have sorted out problems with one another. So before they actually have communion, you'll see them moving from side to side. The men sit on one side and the ladies sit on the other side. Uh, but, you know, they'll go and sort out a problem before they'll go uh, to the Lord's table. And, you know, so often we as Christians uh, maybe can have, be hurt or hold a grudge. And we, we wonder why, we wonder why God is not moving. And I believe it's because we're not willing to sort out some trivial thing in the light of eternity, some problem between yourself or myself and somebody else. You know, we need to, we need to get real. And I believe the people there in West Belfast uh, have, um, they're just they're so real and they're just so on fire for God. Um, I could keep you here for about a month. I'm sure you're not pleased to hear about that. But he did tell me it could take as long as he wanted. <laughs> uh, it's probably exactly. a very dangerous thing to say to you, really. <laughs> but I'm just going to tell you a few of the contacts that we've made. I made there in West Belfast because they're just so, I am so excited. I just can't, I sometimes I can't sleep because I'm so excited about what God is doing and what I believe God is going to do. And, um, I went up the first day. I went up West Belfast. I went onto a street, and on that street, we met one, two, three people, uh, on the one day. Now, I just be absolutely amazed at how God has brought. It's like we jigsaw how God has brought me in contact with maybe a brother in this without. Eight family helping us really but just knowing that maybe a family a brother here and a sister here and somebody else here so one family that we called with there uh, Geraldine and she told us her brother was a Christian he had done 17 years in prison and she said Look, he never stops talking about the Holy Spirit but you see we understood if he's a Christian that that's what he would be talking about but that's a bit strange to them because they don't know uh, they don't understand we we met um his then a few doors up, there's a lady, Lily, and we just handed her a leaflet. We had in these leaflets at the sta- that stage, I think it was just about how you can know God. And we would just say to her, Lily, there's a little uh, leaflet that will tell you how you can get to know God for yourself. And we knew by what she was saying that she had a lot of family problems, health problems. And as we shared with her that day, we told her that God could help her in her life. And the tears started to come down her face. And, you know, ISIS we'll have to come back here someday. And we went back um, probably three weeks after that, and she invited us into her home. That was the first home that we got into in West Belfast. That was back in October time. And we've been back in Lily's house many, many times. And, you know, um, God has just given us so many opportunities to share with Lily. Uh, her father died, and um, at the funeral, they read John chapter 14, uh, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Her father's name was Thomas. And I said to her, could I read the, the passage with you, Lily? And she said, surely. And I read her John chapter 14 and explained to her, you know, that while Mary's a very important figure, uh, Mary points us to Jesus. And Jesus is the only one who can take away your sin. He's the only one who can bring satisfaction into your life. And I remember one morning we were praying for Lily and into my head came the thought about uh, sharing with Lily through a flower. So I bought her a bunch of flowers uh, about the time of her father's funeral. And I went back one week later and the flowers were open, beautifully open. And I had said to Lily, I want to tell you a story about the lilies. And I said, Lily, you see the way that lily is white? That reminds me of the purity and holiness of God. He has never ever sinned. And then I said to her, you see the wee stamens in the center? I said, if those mark the, the petals, they'll destroy it. And I said, that's a wee bit like sin in our lives. It, it'll destroy your life. It'll ruin your life. And then I took a tissue and I took the, the stamens out. And I said, Lily, that flower could never, ever remove those stamens. Somebody else had to do it. And I said, Lily, you can never remove sin from your life. But the good news is that Jesus can. And, you know, it's presenting the gospel to people where they're at. And I believe God has guided us in so many different ways. Uh, We met then uh, one other day. We were helping Lily with her, what do you call that thing, that they answer the phone and they push the door? What do you call those intercom things? And I was standing, Mary was outside. This lady that I've met helps me as well, a converted Roman Catholic lady. And we were standing trying to help uh, Lily with this intercom. And uh, Mary was outside. And just then this van came up and pulled up out, it was an, another the other neighbour and uh, he came over to, probably to see what we were doing or who we were and he came in and he was actually Geraldine who's down the street who's a brother Brenton who has, is the converted fella this was another brother and we Mark came in and we were sharing with him about the gospel and we had this tract and we offered him the tract and he says oh my brother's a Christian and uh, we said to him about you know you need it needs it's an individual thing each person needs to trust the lord and he told us that he's reading the bible isn't that absolutely amazing Amen. people are reading uh, the word of god in west belfast they mightn't understand it so we're asking you to pray as we give out these leaflets uh, these tracks that god's holy spirit will start to work in these people's lives Uh then we met brendan and i have to tell you about Brenton because when we met brendan Uh, Brenton is saved and he's just a bright and shining light uh, in West Belfast reaching out to his own people which isn't easy uh, with the gospel and the first time we went in uh, he told us about how he got saved and shared with us how the Bible is just so fresh to him he has the Bible sitting on the table and I said to him does he use any commentaries he said no i just the Holy Spirit he said the Bible tells me That the Holy Spirit will guide me to truth. So I get down before God and I just say, God, I'm here. And your your Holy Spirit's going to teach me from God's word. It's absolutely amazing the insight they have to the word of God. (coughs) He said, come on upstairs. And we went upstairs and he showed us two bedrooms full of books. And he said, do you know where I got those books? And I said, no, faith mission. Those books were on their way to Kenya, and he intercepted them and said, no, they're not going to Kenya, they're going to West Belfast. So it's amazing what God is doing. Another day we called at Brenton's house, and uh, we met this this other man invited us in, and he says, come on in, for Brenton's not here, but he'll be back in five minutes. And this, was man, this man was Brenton as well, and I said to Brenton, I said, are you a Christian? He said, yes. I said, how did you become a Christian? Three years ago, he said, I was out in my back garden and the Spirit of God showed me that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And you know, he said, uh, I said to him, how did you know that verse? He said, I was reading the Bible, but I didn't really understand it. And he said, uh, he was brought in contact with this other, Brenton, and uh, his son of 25 got saved as well. And he said, my son and I, every night, have intercessory prayers. You know, these people would put us to shame. They really would. Another day we went down, a couple from Donegal had asked me to come on out my outreach uh, just to experience what goes on. And we called again at Brenton's house. And this day there was a wee fella, Mario, I would say in his 20s, maybe 30s. And he had just met Brenton 15 minutes before. This young fella got saved in November. And he was out in the Falls Road witnessing telling the people on, on the Falls Road about God and somebody said to him there's a man a Christian man up that street and 15 minutes before we had arrived Brendan and Mario had met and Mario could hardly believe that three more Christians walked into that house and you know he was so excited about meeting uh, other Christians. Mario's um, two brothers our Christians, they've all got saved within the last uh, few months. Uh, his brother, uh, Mark, uh, did time in prison, got saved in prison. Uh, Mario's got saved. Uh, his younger brothers got saved. And his mother has got saved. Uh, all these young people are meeting in West Belfast. There's once a month to have a Bible study. Or a meeting to bring other unsaved people to. And I was at it uh, last night. Saturday night, this Sunday it is. Saturday night, and um, Mario says to me, we have another new member in our family. His daughter, uh, 14, trusted the Lord as her saviour. And you know, God is so much at work. I could keep you here all day telling you that's only a fraction of the people that we have met. I'd just be absolutely amazed that every single time uh, that I have been out that God has brought us in contact uh, with somebody and it's just so exciting uh, it's so exciting just to see what God's doing and I of, always get uh, get this verse quite a lot it's in John chapter 4 verse uh, 38 I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labour other men laboured and ye are entered into uh, their labours that is in the passage John chapter 4 For it talks about the woman of Samaria. And Jesus met that woman at the well. And then that woman went into the city. And it says that many believed because of her words. But then in verse 41 it says many more believed because of his own word. And often I sit and say to the Lord how uh, can we do this. You know it's only by the Spirit of God and we have to take our hands off it and uh, that's what i would ask you to pray that god would keep me in touch because it's very easy to get out of touch and maybe to miss the the still small voice of god's guidance and direction so i would ask you to pray that god will keep me in touch with him and totally yield it uh, for what he uh, has planned uh, for west belfast i do believe that god uh, could move in amazing ways In West Belfast because there's an openness Mm. and there's an absolute honesty that you do not find, sadly, so sadly, in Protestant areas. I have been doing a two-week mission Mm. outside Hillsborough and it has really, really struck me. The stark difference in the attitude and the atmosphere in West Belfast, they are open. They're hungry. They have such deep respect for the things of God. Whereas where we're missioning, people are just not really interested. That's right. And I believe God could pass uh, a lot of the Protestant people by and work through uh, West Belfast and such like areas. I'll have to tell you, have a time to tell you about the Gypsy Church or the Gypsy Church and the Gypsies. We go visiting in the Gypsy camps. The first time we went to the Gypsy Camp, I must admit, I went a wee bit in fear and trembling and asked this Roman Catholic lady to come with me because I was a wee bit sort of uh, scared, um, and I said to her, would she come? She said, oh, i uh, come visiting with you, but she didn't know it was the Gypsy Camp, so when we got in the car, she took her car, and she says to me, where are we going? I says, well, I'd like to go to the Gypsy Camp. Because I have sort of a logical brain, I sort of, the Springfield Road, the top of it is a gypsy camp, so I thought we started at the top and worked down. And so she started to drive uh, towards the gypsy camp, and I said to her, where are you going? She, was, <laughs> she wasn't going to Springfield Road one. I said to her, oh no, I was thinking about the Springfield Road, she was going to the Glen Road one. And she says, I said to her, oh no, I want to go to the, she said you would never go there, it's known as Windy Gap, and they don't talk, but they shoot you. So she, she said, "I just as well to tell you the truth. If you hadn't been here today, that's where I would have been. I'd have been up there. But you know, it's amazing how God has. Um, I just have to tell you about one day uh, that I was up. Uh, we spent six hours in the gypsy camp. Ninety-five percent of the conversation was about God. Um, we went into one house and we got a cup of tea, and they're very welcoming." Uh, they do have uh, apprehensions about, you know, outsiders, but we have seemed to have got in with them okay. And the first house we spent probably two hours, and we were for going home after that. And she said, "Oh, you have to go and see my sister." And she says, "Do you know where my sister is?" And they're all like in the one camp. She said, "Over there in the corner." And she says, "Are you sure now? You know where to go?" And then we felt we couldn't really go home because she was so uh, keen that we would go and see her sister. So went to see her sister, and uh, there's a lovely girl there, Pebbles. Now, she's a backslider. Lovely young girl, probably in her 20s. <clears throat> and she just told me that she'd fallen out with God. And she said, pray that, you know, I'll get back to God again. And in that home, we, again, spent probably about two hours. And after that, I was for going home because I was supposed to go to a prayer meeting. And then we went outside. Now, that outside their homes, they would have life- Size, size images, but you know their homes are absolutely spotless. I was quite surprised. They're absolutely spotless. They never stop cleaning, and they, you know, the ladies don't work. Sure we all, we should all go to the gypsy camps, ladies. <laughs> we wouldn't have to work, um, but they don't really do much outside work. They don't. The ladies, ladies don't work. They're kept by the men, and see the girls. They don't work on. They don't on, until they get married they don't do anything and their father is the one that supports them um, but we went, went outside and there was this man he was here. his name was John and he said would you uh, pray for me I'm a backslider and we were just about to pray with him there and then in the yard and he said would you come down to my house uh, he is uh, living with a girl who is not a gypsy they call us the beautiful people uh, we're the gorgeous people or the settled people uh, outsiders and they don't like to be called gypsies or travellers. Um, and we went down to his house, and his uh, partner would have no time for Christian things whatsoever. But that night we sat for two full hours and were able to share with her the gospel and pray with her. And you know, afterwards she said that was a lovely prayer. And I just believe that God has so much to do uh, in West Belfast, and you know, it's such a privilege. Uh, I'm just so delighted that God has called me to West Belfast. It's a complete blank canvas, and we I believe we're going to be writing stories, life stories of people who find uh, the saviour. Uh, just to tell you one last... I've said that about three times, haven't I? The third time is... Well, don't pay any heed to me then. <laughs> um, just to tell you, about October time I met this girl, Valerie, uh, and I took Valerie... I was passing by her house... At 10.30 at night. And the spirit of God. Prompted me. To stop at this lady's house. At half 10 in Belfast at night. Um, Not sort of normal thing. That you would really do. But there was a bus outreach. In Shashbury Square. So I thought I would call. And bring her with me to that. And went in. And there she was. She said she would surely come. And I was hoping to. Um, contact the people on the bus. To make sure that they would speak to her. Because I knew that. I had spoken to her before, and um, Valerie came up and sat for about an hour. And I thought that night she was going to get saved, but she didn't. And I really prayed that God would really work. She told she when I went home, she said she would love to be saved, and she took a wee booklet and was reading that. Um, I tried to contact her over the next few months. And I think it was January. Got in contact with her again, and I invited her to a mission. Uh, But it was in Ballymena, and for Belfast people, that's sort of out, that's not, you don't think like that. Um, So then I invited her to church on a Sunday night, and she said, look, I'll not go tonight, but I will go next Sunday night. Uh, I had hardly my two feet out of bed whenever the phone rang, and it was Valerie saying she wanted to go to church and wanted to make sure I was going to take her, uh, that she needed spiritual help. And uh, in that Sunday service that night and um, the man got up and gave a word of testimony and straight after that um the man got up to speak and valerie stopped the service quite openly said i want to say something here uh, she says can i stop you she said i'm not a christian but i want to become a christian where would you ever see that happening in our services and valerie trusted the lord Uh, That was just four weeks ago. Valerie trusted the Lord as her saviour. Amen. And just absolutely delighted that Valerie has a desire uh, to be in God's house. Uh, She was in church uh, this morning with me in uh, West Belfast. And, you know, God is, is, this is just the beginning. And I believe uh, God can do uh, so, so much more, Uh, you know, through Yield It!, Lives. Uh, the hymn writer put it like this Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as Thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is Thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever, only, all for thee. I trust uh, tonight that if you're a child of God, that you can say the words of that hymn, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise.
0: Well, we do want to thank Naomi so much for sharing with us this evening and telling us how she got saved and how the Lord has called her into service. And uh, I'm delighted of the work that's being done. Let me just encourage you. A few weeks ago, in February past, I was doing Bible studies in Sandown Church. Uh, There's a number of men come in who, who didn't really belong to the church. Uh, one of them was a Roman Catholic by the name of Damien uh, from West Belfast. And when he was speaking to the Reverend Gareth Wilson uh, just Wednesday past, he told me, Damien has got saved. Glory to God. And uh, I, I just, I'm thinking back to what our brother um, Tommy Gilmore, you remember Tommy? He He's going to come in a few weeks time and tell us about what happened in uh, meetings and missions is in Portavogie. Vogue. He said one time that Dr. Paisley was there and um, Dr. Paisley was preaching and there was this man shouted up, I want to get saved, Dr. Paisley. And he said to the Reverend Park, he was there, "Uh, Reverend Park, would you go and lead that man to the Lord? And as he was walking down the pulpit, there was a woman get got up at the back and said, I want to get saved as well. "Uh, Mrs. Park, could you take that man out and lead him to the Lord? And she had never led a soul to Christ before in her life. And it just seemed to be there was over 30 souls saved within a week. Do you know why? Because the Spirit of God moved. And that's what we need. I would love to see that happening in Belfast. Delighted at what's happening in West Belfast. We need it in East Belfast, in South Belfast and in the north of the country. Just bear with us for about five minutes or so. I just want to leave one verse of scripture. And then I want to just share a couple of thoughts as we come to a conclusion It ties into what has been said and we've been saying. It's from Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. Let's just have a wee prayer. Lord, we thank you for the meeting thus far. Your presence with us. The testimony of Sister Naomi. Her call to thy service. We thank you for the wonderful working of God the leading of thy spirit. We thank you for these precious souls. Whether it's the two Brandons or Lily or Valerie or, or, or Damien. We, we, we just thank you Lord for these precious souls that are getting saved. And Lord we're, we're thankful for that. And even though they may belong to the travelling community. Or the Light in Life Church. Maybe never come to the free church. Lord they don't have to belong to the free church to be saved. Glory to God. They have to belong to Jesus. Put their faith and trust in him. And we just pray that you'll lead them, help them to grow in grace and the knowledge of Christ. In the few minutes that we've left, just bless us as we think about your word. And then, Lord, remember us as we have the time of fellowship around the cup of tea. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, my my text tonight is really Galatians 3 and 11. My subject this evening is the words that just shall live by faith. You've heard the thought: good things come in small packages. Well, here's a very small package: six words, easy to remember, a wonderful package of scripture. The just shall live by faith. Now, think of three things as we conclude. The recording of the words. Do you know that this verse is recorded four times in the Bible? It's recorded in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. Romans 1 17, That's important. And Galatians 3 and 11. That's important. And Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. Four times. Boys and girls when God says something once. It's worth listening to. The Bible says God has spoken once. Twice have I heard this. That power belongeth unto God. And the psalmist was struck with the fact that he had heard it twice. Power belongeth unto God. Doesn't the Bible say in the mouth of two, wit- two or three witnesses um, a thing shall be established? Two and three in the Bible is the number of witness. But four, four times, well that's the number of perfect witness. The number of complete witness. And God is speaking. And he's drawing our attention to this text. And there has to be a listening and a hearing to what God says. And that's what's wrong in East Belfast. I'm thankful for hearing what's happening in West Belfast. There's a famine of hearing the word of God. And you only had to look at the faces and the expression of the football fans going to the Northern Ireland match this afternoon. And those fans had no ear for the word of God. They had no attitude nor appetite for the scriptures of truth. And even some professing Christians, sadly, through inconsistency, They refuse to take on board in their lives God's plain and simple truth. Remember, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. How can we do that? We do that by listening to his word and living out his truth. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Very quickly, notice secondly, the receiving of these words. You see, let me tell you something, boys and girls, young people. This is what we call Martin Luther's text. This is one of the texts in the Bible that made history because the Lord used these words to bring Martin Luther to Jesus Christ. Who was Martin Luther? Martin Luther was a Roman Catholic monk who got converted through these words in the year 1510. And we need to appreciate and rediscover the importance of church. History. Karl Marx, by the way, the founder of communism, said the first battle is the rewriting of history. And there's lots of people want to rewrite history. But you need to know what your history is, what happened when. And we need to teach it to our wee children. I want to encourage you to learn and teach what happened in the past, especially biblical history. That's why it's important to read and study the scriptures and also church history. Now, think with me. Martin Luther. What brought Martin Luther to Christ? It was these words, the just shall live by faith. Martin Luther was in Rome. The year was 1510. He was converted in the very same city that Paul had wrote the words to, Romans 1 and 17. For it is written, the just shall live by faith. He, he, Luther was commanded to go to Rome. Um, uh, he, he belonged to an order of monks as I said, he was an ardent, devout Roman Catholic he was sent to Rome by his bishop he was sent there to do penance he was sent there to pray he, he was sent there to to to, to bring him to uh, a, a deeper appreciation of all the teachings uh, of the church and he went to St Peter's Cathedral And he started to climb what is called uh, the Scala Santa. I hope I've pronounced that right. I'm not very good at these big words, but it just means the holy stairs. And it's widely believed that these stairs um, were were supposed to be the very stairs that Jesus walked up heading into Pilate's judgment hall. Now, now he didn't, but that's what Roman Catholics are taught to believe. And Luther was making his way up these stairs, folks, and he was praying. Uh, uh, And and he was going through the rosary uh, uh, and he wanted to make himself more acceptable and pleasing to God and earn God's forgiveness and earn God's favour by his effort. Luther, remember, before this had begun to read the Bible, he was reading the book of Romans. He was encouraged to do so by a man called John uh, Stoupeds. Uh, he told him to read the Book of Romans, the Book of Galatians. He told him to look to Christ. Martin looked to Christ. Martin looked to Christ in the shed blood. In the providence of God, calling up those stairs, the Spirit of God. Remember what they always said? The Spirit of God's at work? The Spirit of God brought to um, uh, his mind. These words. The just shall live by faith. Others were climbing in the stairs, uttering their Eva, Marias, their their pattern, Noster, their, their Hail Marys. And the light dawned in Luther. The light flooded in his soul. The just shall live by faith. Faith, forsaking all, I trust Him. That's the message of the Bible. I've taught you that, young people. What's that mean? It means to trust in Christ. It means to to assent to the the, the teaching of the Bible about the personal work of Christ. It means to adhere to him and to completely rely on him alone for salvation. He's the only saviour of sinners. And the measure of faith is you hear the word of God, that you believe it with your mind, your heart, your soul, your strength, you say it's true and you act upon it. What a day. A glorious day when Martin Luther received the word of God. Realised he was a sinner. Realised that he was trying to earn his own salvation. Realised he was trying to please God by religious acts. And he realised they have all fallen short. Isn't that true of every world religion? The motivation for its adherence is a fear factor. Whatever the false religion is. Islam. Hinduism. Hinduism. No matter, it's all about fear pleasing a deity. I have to do this. I have to do that. I've got to try and please this God that, that I'm supposed to be worshipping. And it's all about fear. And see, Luther was full of fear. But folks, Naomi will bear me. That's not the gospel. The gospel, the heart of the message, is the message of faith. That just shall live by faith. Whenever the Philippian jailer heard the gospel, he gave mental assent to it. He came rushing into the jailhouse and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he was told, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you're here tonight and you're a sinner and you know in your heart you are broken God's law, you're guilty of sins of omission and commission, you know you can't please God in the flesh, you know you can't justify yourself, look to Christ. Look to the shed blood. It's all about what Christ has done. It's, remember, it is finished. It, it, that, that, that's the heart of the gospel. That's the wonderful message. It's the greatest message of the world. And it dawned in Martin Luther. Not only the receiving of the word, but one final thing. We're, we're, we're done. You'll be saying amen. Sorry to keep you. The regarding of these words. What do the words mean? The just. A guilty sinner is justified when God declares him not guilty on the basis of what Christ did in bearing the punishment of sin in his own body in the tree. Christ the substitute, the surety, the sin-bearer, the sin-offering, the sacrifice, the saviour. See, God's word is true, isn't it? And it includes your mental and intellectual acceptance of its truth. God's verdict is true. What the Bible says about all men. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's verdict is right. The psalmist said in Psalm uh, 25. And in the verse 11. He he made an amazing uh, statement. He said this. For thy name's sake O Lord pardon mine iniquity. For it is great. See he didn't trivialize his sin. He didn't treat it in a light hearted manner. Sin matters. Sin deserves punishment. And and if God is to put sinners in hell, that's no more than what our sins deserves. And many make an argument with God today. Many argue against God's word. They they struggle and say, like a man told me yesterday or last night from Germany, there is no God. Uh, And they're shouting in defiance at God. uh, uh, And they're not submitting to God. Why? Because sin doesn't bother them. But once sin bothers them and they're convicted then God's verdict is right. My sin is great. And of course, think of God's message. Jesus saves. He's done all that needs to be done. He alone saves. And the great message of this, to be justified, the just, the righteous ones, is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Every other ground of acceptance is abolished. Only one ground. Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh I will in no wise cast out. There's another piece of history because that's John Bunyan's text through which he gets saved. Him that cometh. You you come as you are. And put your trust in Christ. And you can be legally. That's what justification is. A legal declaration of righteousness. And God treating you not as your sins. Treating you with grace. And making you his sons. That man from Germany said to me last night... When I asked him a few things, he said to me in a sort of accent. That's what brought it to the head of where he actually come from. He says, I'm I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Do you understand that? He says, I'm nothing. I says, glory to God. I'm a child of God. I could understand what he meant. It's a Bushmill sort of uh, word. But maybe that's the way you feel. You're nothing. But you can be someone and something. You can be a child of God trust in Christ. I just leave these words with you. Think of the recording. Four times in the Bible. Think about Luther's reception of them. Regard these words. Take them to heart. May the Lord bless these few thoughts. To our hearts this evening.